Hey, everybody. Today's episode, Jakari Beatty and the Besk. Uh, just a super positive, creative guy. Just absolutely love the podcast. I think you're going to love it, too. What do you think, Maurice? Hey, I tried to get him off balance with a couple of questions. Yeah. And the guy wouldn't stop being positive and smiling. Yep. <laughs> no, I'm I'm half kidding when I say this, but I we have yet to have a a person on the podcast that just didn't stop smiling because they were so positive, and that seems to be like in the structure of his life because his life story is not easy, right? Yep. But he still yeah, didn't let himself being stopped by that, right? Yep. All the positive, all the negative, he just kept on doing, and I think he should be a beacon of light for for everything that we should be and want to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just keep on doing it and don't take yourself too serious and uh, it's going to be all right, right? Because if, you, if you're positive, positive things will happen to you. Um, I'm just, just for that perspective, um, I loved him having him on as a guest. And then his ideas with that backpack and how you get went about that is, um, yeah, you guys need to, watch the show because i don't want to take it all with you away from you guys um all that you have to do afterwards is order one of these things right because <laughs> you're gonna need it anyways oh yeah um yeah uh watch the show um don't uh, click away it's uh it's definitely worth your while you're gonna be going away from this episode being a little bit happier than you were just before you watched it all right, here we go. Because really, what could go wrong once you press record, right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Crazy People Doing a Podcast, the Crazy People Podcast. Uh, I am over here in seat number three, Russ Brummel. Hey, how are you? Over there in seat number one, Mr. Maurice Hoffman, the captain of curiosity, and in the hot seat between us, Jokari Beatty. Welcome, Jokari. Hola, thank you for having me. So I am Jokari Beatty, uh, founder and CEO of Joe Bay Products, which this beautiful octopus behind me is our logo. Um, we developed and invented a backpack that transforms into a desk. So it's a height adjusting desk that you can use anywhere. Uh, and you can also put your storage inside, hence the backpack. And uh, we are located in Louisville, Kentucky. Coolest yeah. city on the planet. There you go. There goes the Louisville gang again. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like to me, Russ, that the only guests that we are being having are either based out of New York or Louisville. <laughs> it did, does seem to be a pattern this season. Not, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that is. Hey, Shikari, um From what I read from you is... You started off um, inventing and doing your backpack twice. You you went for a crowdfunding twice, and the first one failed. So give us a bit of a, a background. Why did it fail, and how what else came came about? Certainly. So the first time, it wasn't necessarily like a serious crowdfunding campaign. What actually happened? It was a it was for a final for my class in college. Yeah. So most people got to make up ideas, but I was really working on the best at the time. So uh, I went through, tried to create a campaign page, did everything, <clears throat> and it just wouldn't post. Like you push the post button, it wouldn't post. So out of like all my years in school, 
that's the only class I failed all because of my crowdfunding did not post. So yeah. um, ended up failing that class. But I, I feel like I had a, a lot better opportunity. I took the class again with a different teacher and actually got exposed to a lot more in uh, in business. It was principles of business management. And okay. uh, then I actually ran the campaign seriously um, a couple of years ago. And that one ended up being uh, successful. I, I like the grit in this because not not giving up because just because of a what a teacher said. Uh, I can remember I had a I had a reunion. I'm not going to say the years because it's a it was many years and b it's a long time ago uh, with a teacher and that teacher honestly told me that he was surprised that anything ever became out of me and I was like how dare you say that and I had a <laughs> stupid stupid subject that didn't matter to me I just had to take it and I was like the audacity of that guy right so I love that you didn't let the teacher stop you and uh, <laughs> that's perfect so you're an inventor yes sir where did you get the idea from I'm I, I love inventing but not me I mean I love inventors that's what I should have said um, where did you get the idea from? How did it all happen? Um, so I was afforded to go to college on a track scholarship. And honestly, I just chose between the two schools that were the furthest away from Louisville, just because I wanted to get the experience living somewhere else. I'm originally from Lexington, but I've been in this like region majority of my high school and below life. Uh, so I got to go to a school in Ohio and I had this thing because I knew I wanted to be an inventor. So I had an idea book. So anytime I ran into a problem, I would write that problem down and then come up with a solution and then create a some type of concept art with that. Um, so when it comes to the desk, I used to ride my bike to the banks of Lake Erie um, and sit on these really large boulders. And I would sit there and watch the sunrise a couple of days a week before I ride my, my bike back to school. Being not the biggest fan of homework, one day I was sitting there and I'm like, this would be a cool place to do some homework. But all I had was my backpack with my bike tools in it and a couple of books. And I was like, man, I wish those picnic tables can be moved over here and they give me some, something to write on, but the ground would be uneven because I'm on boulders. So I was like, what would be even more cool is if I can find a backpack that kind of transforms into a desk. Uh, and after that, I just went on Amazon try to find it, went on like Google, try to find it. I'm like, all right, I'm not seeing anything. Let me write this down as a problem, solution, and a couple of different pieces of concept art. So that was the pretty much the origin story of, of where the best came. Wow. I love that. So you did the crowdfunding. And you used the you used the best at the at the at the concept. So that was your that was the topic for your crowdfunding and topic of your class, right? So what ha happened after? Because you started it again, you did it with another professor, and eventually, now you have that logo behind you, the company behind you. So how was that journey? Uh, what were the lessons learned along the line? Certainly. So when I had to take that class over again, uh, crowdfunding was not a part of like the class. Uh, but the teacher saw that I was really working on a real product that I wanted to to move forward with in real life. So she took me to uh, like a, a seminar. It was like $1,500, like kind of like, I don't even know how, what to call it, but it was like a whole summit. Uh, so I got to go on a scholarship to there. 
And then when it came to the actual crowdfunding campaign that was successful, honestly, that was supposed to be kind of like a practice version to see how to do it right. Uh, if you ever go back and see like our original video, it was like recorded on like an old iPhone and it was for like a pitch competition a little bit before that. And I was like, all right, I want to learn more about the fundamentals. And someone's like, just try it. And then if you don't get it, you'll see how it does. Um, and you can learn. But within like the first like two days, <laughs> We're like number one trending in the U.S. and number two in the world on that campaign. So I was like, all right, this practice may become real. Uh, and as we start <laughs> to raise more and more money, I said, all right, more serious, more serious, more serious. And to the point where we we're able to uh, raise what we were looking for at the time. That is fantastic. So how has been the, the journey since then? Uh, the next it's been great. It's, we've had like a lot of growth since then. At that time, it was more we had the concept and we needed to get it into the point where it could be mass produced. So the funding from that crowdfunding campaign was um, allocated toward like development and helping get like some CAD designs of our product because everything before then was made by me just by hand. And uh, we had an engineer to our team and we got it to the point where that Kickstarter helped show traction for us. Uh, and through that traction, we've been able to raise a lot more money to show that people are willing to buy a product that's brand new from someone they don't even know. <laughs> so imagine if it's someone that they do know and a pro and a proven product that's in the market, then it could be a pretty large market for the product. So it it, it did exactly what his name is. It literally kickstarted our journey in multiple multiple aptitudes. Fantastic. So what is your status today? Where are you with the company today? Right now we're. Uh, we have our own facility. We uh, assemble best. We ship them out. We're working on a couple of different iterations. Uh, we're acquiring like feedback. All right, what could be better? What uh, what kind of accessories would you like in the future? Uh, so we're working on all those different aspects at the same time. We're more of like an actual like moving, running business. Have to make sure we take care of financials, inventory, tracking. It's 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 full full steam ahead right now fantastic what are the lessons learned so far i mean because uh I, you told me about the engineering part so that you built yourself uh, that you eventually added an engineer what about the finance stuff what about the marketing what about the other areas the sales and so on because that doesn't just happen right you have to work for it 100 percent. so funny story about me um before i graduated college I read one book in my life, like one full end-to-end -end book. And it was like in fourth grade. It was called Call of the Wild. Um, now, I read a lot, but I would read articles and different informational things. But I didn't want to read just for entertainment. Um, so after I graduated from college, I realized I didn't have professionals teaching me every day. So I had like a, a large gap. I'm like, All right, I need to be learning. So that's when I started to dive uh, more deeply into books. So like on my like left right here. Now, plenty of the books that I reference, and also I have a library at home of like if I'm trying to work on marketing, I grab usually a couple marketing books at the time, sales, a couple sales books at a time, and uh, so much so when I go to the bookstore, uh, the last time I went, the lady asked me if I had a near death experience because I was buying 18 books at the same time. <laughs> she was like, "Are you okay?" I was like, "Yes, I just don't like to come here often, so I try to grab as many as possible." And then read them and then come here for another 18 books. Yeah. That is fantastic. 
I need to I need to send you a marketing book that you can just put there. Don't read it, just put it there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably end up getting read. Like right now, uh, I had someone stop by yesterday and they saw I had like a bookmark and a book on the desk. And when I transferred the best for somebody, there was a book inside with a bookmark. And then they're like, are you reading two books at the same time? I was like, yes, I'm reading two books at the same time, but I'm also listening to a separate audio book in the car when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, all right, you may be a little crazy. I said, there's a lot I need to learn. And I feel like I always want to like continue to learn um, because you can always uh, improve upon yourself. So, yes, we have a great team. We've added, uh, we contract out as well. But I also love to be able to understand what's going on in every aspect of our company. So I try to make sure I'm like up to most like the most current terminology, language, um, calculations, uh, pretty much everything. Yeah. The three first hires you did for your company. Three first hires? Yeah. Um, three first hires were uh, engineer, uh, COO, and marketing. Those so, were the first three. Yeah. How's the side of hire? How are you doing your, with your finance? Is that something you do yourself or is that the CEO doing? Or both? So, uh, our COO is transferring into more of like a CFO. Uh, he's a Marine veteran who's uh, about to graduate graduate from college this year. Well, in like two months in uh, finance. So we're like, you can kind of transfer over to a CFO <laughs> rather than COO. Um, but usually what we do is we run through it ourselves, but I like to make sure things are like clean and right. So then we also work with a accounting firm that like double checks our stuff like quarterly. Fantastic. Where are you going from here? What is what is up for your company next? Um, what's the what's the big idea? What's the path? Next thing is to uh, iterate the best, make it make make it better based on like seeing who our early adopters are, what markets adopt our product, and what kind of um, accessories they would like to see go along with that product. Um, make different variations of the best. Um, so maybe some for smaller people, some for larger people, maybe some that's more for uh, construction type of work where it doesn't matter what the best looks like, as long as it can hold X amount of pounds and be beat on pretty hard. Um, but most of, mostly like we're working on two versions right now, but we're also really open to feedback and what market seems to like adopt the best so we can innovate around that segment as well okay so your your innovation is driven by market feedback so you're not just is it driven by your ideas or do you do you compare it with the feedback that you get from the market how you how you're going about this so we're doing pretty much both <clears throat> so we have our own ideas as a team on like different iterations that we can make and improvements but also um, I've learned just through like uh, research and things like that. You can always innovate a product, but you want to innovate a product to a point where like you're taking the feedback from your market to make that product better in their eyes. So I can say all day, like, it'd be cool if it had rockets on here and we could do backflips <laughs> off of it and it sounds cool, but no one would buy it. Whereas like someone could just say, you know what? Um, I wish the desk was a little larger. And I was like, 
All right, that's probably a lot cheaper than Anarakis on here. Um, <laughs> and maybe a lot more people may actually agree with that. So I feel like listening to like the people that have actually paid money for your product, that want to see it succeed, and that actually use it on a day-to-day basis in different fields, because we've noticed that I, I originally built it as like a, a student, but a lot of people aren't necessarily using it in like student applications. But in other applications that we may have never, never even thought about, uh, and they're also giving us feedback on like what they think may be great or something as little as you have good instructions, but they could be better. So like working on instructions to the point where now we've added like a video that goes along with our instructions so they can see like how we manipulate the best in order to transform it. Uh, yeah, I love that consumer consumer-based feedback because it also helps strengthen that relationship between us and the customer, but we're not just putting a product out, but we're also trying to like maintain that relationship and literally some feedback. They're like, Oh, could we add this? And honestly, sometimes we make the piece and we'll send it to them to test it out. But like, let us know what you think about it. So we can kind of like build that one-on-one relationship because we know that these really early on relationships can literally make or break us as a company. So it's kind of interesting. I, I, uh, I, I ordered a, I ordered a best because I saw Jokari early on in his in his Kickstarter mm-hmm. and and got it in and there was extra parts in it. And they were like, here, so there's extra brackets here to give it more support. Try these out. See what you think of it, which, which I thought is a really cool way to to kind of iterate on the product. It's not even like, oh, I'm going to release a new feature and then sell the new feature and then get people to to try it. It's like I'm going to just proactively push it out there and say, is this a is this a better thing? Is this, you know which is, which is really cool. So the, the question there, Jakari is, is, is that just like your natural approach of like, let's try something, let's get it out there. Let's figure it out. Or did you learn that along the way? Did somebody teach you that? Um, my thought process is, uh, I, early on, I really wanted to be a perfectionist. I was really big into art and I would never let people see my art until like it was finished. Yep. Um, and if I messed up on like one stroke, I'll just restart again. Uh, but then I got to the point where I was doing like more and more like learning and things like that. And it takes a long time and almost impossible to make anything perfect, especially from scratch. Uh, so it's talking about like get the feedback from the people who would use your stuff and see what they think about it. And early on, um, a little bit after the Kickstarter, I remember we had um, <laughs> a lot less well put together best than we do now. <laughs> and we were... Um, unsure about the stability of it it had way less stability than it had now and some of the team was like yes release it other half was like nah don't release it yet so i said you know what let's see what people think so i I took one to the waterfront which is like right off the river here in louisville and i would find people i said can you just test this out for me let me know what you think and i i would give it to people and they would test it out unflip like flip it out put stuff on top and literally the first reaction of the first person goes, wow, this is st- surprisingly stable. And like, it's the complete opposite of what we thought. We're like, what? It doesn't, he's like, no, it moves, but it folds out. Like I thought it would just like fall over. It's like it folds out from something totally else. So it's like in your mind, it wouldn't be super stable. But once you set it up, he's like, I could put water on here, a drink, book, anything. It's like, it's not to the point where anything will fall off. And we loved that, but at the time it took some time for, it was during COVID, so we couldn't get a lot in a lot of pieces. Uh, so we still continue to like work on ways to make it even more stable, even though that base said it's good to go. We're like, we're going to make it better just because 
we have some time because a delay in pieces. Look, you seem to be super positive, super curious and whatever, but there has to be what I call the Sunday evening moments where you're just scared of positive and negative. I want, I want to ask you for both examples where you're just scared of what's going on. Scared of you're not going to make it or scared of you're going to make it, right? Um, so what were those moments for you and how did you go through them and not let them stop you, right? Certainly. So um, on that, I've, I started working on, on BESC in 2014 when I was back in my sophomore year of college. And every day since then, I've worked on BESC in some format. Um, and it got to the point where, like, even when I didn't want to work on the BESC, I would work on BESC. Even if I didn't know what to do, I'm reading, like, venture deals on how to, like, read terms and conditions when I don't even have a prototype <laughs> to show <anything. laughs> Um, And I feel like that helped prepare me for, like, times where, like, I really probably should have been like most people would probably would have been more ignorant going into certain situations. But since when I was bored, I did a lot of like learning. I prepared myself for a situation I didn't know I was going to be in for, for a long time. Uh, so for an example of a time where I was like, ah, I just don't know. Um, so we have like a couple hundred Kickstarter um, supporters, pre-orders from there people that order from the website and we've gotten all the way to the point where we have molds, we have this, we have that, but we don't have enough money for all the actual pieces to come in. So we had like maybe like 50% of the pieces back there and running extremely low on funds. So I was like, all right, this is great. We have everything in place except the parts to send out. Well, to assemble, to then send out. Mm -hmm. uh, what I did was I continued to, um, work on the product. I was like, all right, if we can't send them out yet, then we'll just continue on like building and making it better. And eventually, uh, throughout like some, some of my efforts of uh, fundraising and things like that, we were able to raise like $205,000 after that, um, that then was able to pay for the rest of the inventory to come in so we can start to go ahead to assemble all the rest of the pieces and send out. I think that was probably one of my most like scary times where I wasn't unsure if I wanted to do it. I was just unsure like how we were going to do it mm -hmm. and uh, continuing to like work and opportunities will come across from relationships that I built a long time ago. And they just kind of like all came together at the right time to, to make that happen. So that's one of those, one of those moments. And uh, the other side for like, good, like I can't believe this is happening, but have to be pretty much every time we, we raise money, especially I say the biggest first one was like the the Kickstarter where we would see like the money coming in and we would see like we're trending and then we fell under trending because we had a really low resolution video. Uh, but people still found their way to our like our our campaign and we made it. And I remember someone told me, like, I can't believe it. I've never seen anyone do this like you before. Like this is something that you see on like YouTube or a movie. And I was like, honestly, me neither. They were like, how you always said this was going to happen. I was like, I always believed and wanted it to happen, but now it's really, really happening. Like I see the money in the account. I'm talking with designers from Nike on making the best of really comfortable 
padded product. And I was like, I'm really in like a room where all the things that I envisioned in my mind is coming into full fruition. So, yeah. What's the next vision? Where are you going from here? Uh, Next vision is pretty much um let more people see the best because the best is a product that you don't wake up every day and say, I want the best. I mean, a backpack that turns into a desk. It's one of those products that you have to see and like, oh, that could be really useful. But the fact that if you don't see it, you don't, you're not sure if you want it or not because you don't know it exists. So just making it more, uh, putting it more out there and uh, starting to work on those different, different variations of BESC and increasing sales. Um, we've already started to sell BESC worldwide, which is pretty fun. Um, so trying to tap in into those separate markets, uh, markets across the world without having it have like a crazy, crazy shipping cost as it does now when you're overseas. The thing that's amazing to me though, Jakari, is that you started work on this in 2014, but the remote work thing that actually sort of kicked you higher didn't really happen until 2020. Yep. You had this vision of this would be a cool thing to do because I like to do it. And then all of a sudden it just fell into the right thing where everybody wants to go and work in the park. Everybody wants to go work on the beach. Everybody wants to go and work, you know, on the, on the hillside overlooking the bay or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, and sometimes we have charging cables, Maurice. It's okay. <laughs> it's not me. I'm just thinking of my wife here. I got you. I got you. But I, I think we, we talk to a lot of creators on this podcast and, and so many times you see people who say, well, I saw this problem and then I came up with a solution to it um, because of the problem was in the market. But for you, the problem was just in your mind and in your heart. Right. And you came up with a solution to it and then, then the market kind of embraced it and, and grew into it. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I've been kind of following lurking on the sidelines, watching your, entrepreneurial journey uh, along the way. But I guess, I guess the, the the question I have is, is how did you maintain that faith, that belief of this is going to happen? I'm just, you know, I'm going to keep working at it until it happens. You Because you, you were talking about people who said, I, I can't believe this. And you're like, yeah, of course. I just had it always driving toward that vision. How do you maintain that vision over all those years when uh, the market doesn't go, yes, please give us one of these? I think the the beginning phase, like the first phase was I was trying to explain it to people and people couldn't understand the concept no matter how well I drew it. Um, so then I started to make prototypes to be like, see, this is what I mean. And it may be like a flat piece of wood with yardsticks as legs. And like, I'm not seeing the backpacks. So I'm like, All right, I have to make it better. And I would continue to like work on it. And another thing, I ran into the same issue, but in a, a separate setting. I ran track in college. So sometimes we'll go to a track meet for three or four days. I only compete for an hour and I'm still a student and I have work yeah. that's due at the end of each day. So I was like, I'm having to like fight for the four tables at the, the track and watching thousands of track and field athletes sit in bleachers in uncomfortable positions. So I was like, this is another space where you could use a desk that has adjustable legs to have a flat surface to work from. Um, so I would just see like little snippets of like, all right, this is another way that it could be used. This is another way it could be used. Um, but I think mostly it was me trying to prove a concept that I had in my head 
could have worked in real life. Um, and then it got to the point where other people would see it. And it was a very interesting thing when people started, it, it totally flipped where it went from like disbelief that this could be a thing to like a super belief that you can make this happen. And I was like, this is like the largest shift that I've ever seen. So it was like a, a like a whole like uplifting community of like, you got this, you can keep moving forward. So even if I had like any doubts, which was rare to never, um, that I had like multiple people behind me, like, nah, you're good, you're good. And you're something like, appreciate it. But in my head, I was like, no, I was I was working on it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and it, it was the whole concept pre-COVID and there was multiple times, but oh, this guy made this product because of COVID. I said, unfortunately, um, I kind of started it way before COVID. So I don't know if it was before his time or if I just made a initially made a product for the potentially the wrong market. So um that's kind of like the the story behind that for the most that's part. That's cool. You're not a typical founder right we 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 talked to a lot of founders who are like oh yeah i went to business school and then i went worked in finance and then i started my own company Mm -hmm. you just like grabbed it like even through college just still working on it Mm -hmm. what what are the those sort of background driving factors that caused you to say hey i can i can be an entrepreneur i can actually not only just invent this thing but actually build a company out of it certainly um starting out so i transferred to florida and um to also related to the best to do mechanical engineering because I, I could do my own like design and engineering work if I have the skills. So I transferred there and I wasn't allowed to um, pursue that, that school, the education path due to like uh, athletics. I had to choose between two separate, totally unrelated degrees. So what I did was I created my own degree so I could like backdoor into engineering classes and business classes <laughs> to learn as much as possible. So like my degrees in interdisciplinary studies with a concentration in quantitative analysis and social science with a minor in psychology. So they let me backdoor all those engineering and business classes. Um, but honestly, my whole life, I was, I, I used to love like taking things apart and pin things together and figuring out how they work. But the biggest transition into like entrepreneurship happened when I, I thought it'd be cool to like kind of just like sell the idea to an already like company that makes backpacks. Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't get in contact with anyone. And I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and just create my own traction for this product, grow it as big as I can, and then see if I can sell it to the point where I can use that those funds and some of my other um um like life-changing inventions that can help people across the world and through that i was like i I really enjoy making this backpack it's kind of fun and i i I love problem problem solving not Mm -hmm. only in the sense of like physical tangible products but also all right i don't have anyone to help me out with finance how do i figure out an answer of uh a solution to this problem find someone that can learn as much as i can how about we do both we learn as much as we can prove that we know something, meet someone that has more knowledge and they're seeing that I'm trying. So they'll meet me in the middle and be willing to teach me more. That's fantastic. Yeah. If you had to set up a dinner uh, with entrepreneurs that are alive, um, you are one of them, invite four other guests. Would that be? Entrepreneurs that are alive. Um, Oh, dead or alive. Oh, dead or alive. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just Dead or alive. Besides you. I don't know if all of them are entrepreneurs, 
but I will put like four people that I think will be a pretty interesting table to speak to that have built things. One, um, obviously, I'll put Steve Jobs at the table for uh, his contribution to like this whole entrepreneurial spirit and thinking out the box. Um, two would be Isaac Newton, uh, just because I think like a lot of like what he was like doing in terms of physics was, was like pretty cool. Um, three, <laughs> this one's questionable because like, he may just talk way too up, like far off of my head. It would be uh, like Albert Einstein. Um, and then uh, four, it would be, I'd put Musk at that table. I'll put Musk at that seat, at that table. So I feel like we have like a couple like on the inventor side and then a couple on the entrepreneurial side. So we can have like this full table discussion on like maybe taking like new products and converting them into actual businesses and things of that sort. I'd like be the waiter for that table. I would be happy to just <laughs> bring the <laughs> drinks and stuff. Same, same. That'd be awesome. I'm sure I wouldn't even like want to say too much because I would just want to like soak in as much information as possible. But I would love if I can get some of their like insight. I think that'd yeah. be pretty cool. Fantastic. I, I love that idea. Um final question. You talking to your let's make it 16 year old self, right? With everything, dreams and tribulations and everything that you have going on at that age. What would be your message to your 16-year-old self as like a tip, right? Like what to do, what not to do, and whatever. Um, what would be my message? I feel like if I had the opportunity to go back and like say something, I wouldn't. I would just observe because um, before I went to college, I lived in like 21 different like households across Louisville and Lexington. So I had like a pretty adverse background. I had to do a whole bunch and like just watch. I think it'd be really cool to like watch myself in those situations where I overcame a lot of stuff and beat a lot of like stereotypes and how hard I worked at things. Uh, I felt like everything I did was like on, on the right path. I, I made for the most part, great decisions. And I feel like just going back and like seeing that would be like pretty cool but maybe if it could be the reverse of my younger self going into the future and seeing myself now, which is something I used to visualize and they would say like, what would you be famous for? Or what do you look like in the future? I would draw myself up in a business suit and I'd be like, what do you do? I say, I'm not sure, but something important. And I, and I, I make things, I make things to help people. So I don't think I would want to go back and like say anything that could alter the future, but I think it'd just be cool to kind of like observe what, what happened all over again and what built me to the person I am today. Okay. Then let me transform, let me transform that, that question a little bit. If you talk to other young kids um, today, what are you telling them? What, what, what is it that they should do or shouldn't do? Uh, number one, it just, my motto is, is make it happen. Like whatever you want, just make it happen. If there's something that's like in the way that's not making it happen, move that out the way and still make it happen. Uh, there's plenty of times in the best process where I didn't have a piece because it didn't exist. That could be the end of the, the story. But instead, I'm like, I'm going to make the piece to make this other thing happen. Um, 
So no, like no matter what's in front of you, like figure out a way to get around that obstacle, even if you have to build something to get past that, to get to where you want to be. Uh, I think that's one of my biggest things. And one of my favorite quotes when I was like growing up or a teenager was you have like the option to either throw in the towel or use it to wipe the sweat off your face and keep going. Uh, so there's always that point where you're sitting there, you're like, is this too much? And you're sitting there contemplating like, all right, I could quit here or I can see what happens if I keep going. Um, so even if you don't see much progress, like on the outside, uh, like literally I was working on this for six, seven years before I received any money from anybody. Um, and then within the time of like two years, we raised like four, four, or almost $400,000. And any day in the first seven years, I could, could have easily been like, well, I'm doing all this hard work and not seeing any, any return. So, um, and enjoy, enjoy the process, keep going make it happen. If you believe in it and just keep pushing. Yeah. Fantastic. Last but not least, um, what is it like to fall in a, in a footsteps of, it's not rare, rare, but it's that people don't know to be a black inventor out there in, in the U S today. Mm -hmm. like? Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, um, because I got to do like a lot of research and learn more. Like I went to HBCU and there I ended up learning a lot more about like black history and black contributions to like either American history or just history worldwide. So like growing up, I was like, I want to be like this young black inventor. I think it would be cool. And I realized like there's been way, like a lot of black people that have invented things with a lot less resources than I have today. I'm like, I have the internet. <laughs> That's a big advantage. <laughs> um, and on top of that, uh, my actual like great grandfather also invented and created products. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get any like patents for his uh, inventions. So he did, he isn't credited with the things that he um, created and he was, he wasn't able to afford those things. But I feel like that kind of like, sense of like creation exploration and problem solving is kind of like into in my dna and i love it and i love the fact that i get to go out and talk to many people in the community where i was like raised around like different parts of louisville and lexington and young kids that may have looked like how i did or lived in situations like mine and look at me and like you invented something and i'll show them what i invented because i'm sure uh a lot of their like built-in thoughts of what an inventor looks like doesn't probably look like me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's about, right? It's about yeah. representation, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's being out there mm -hmm. and showing kids that uh, whatever a person looks like is not the stereotype, right? Yeah. Uh, Russ and I played the game with AI, uh, I think a week ago, and I typed in um, a uh, successful CEO. And guess what? He wouldn't look like you and me, right? It would look like, um, or even my job description in in, uh, in LinkedIn, right? The, the subtitle that you have there. I always ended up being a white guy with glasses. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, first of all, I was offended by the glasses, right? And <laughs> 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 yeah I, I think all this like it's really cool especially like not only am i like a black inventor to them i may be like the first in inventor that they encountered in, in in life so it's like the first inventor that you encounter is also like black how 
what's the likelihood of, of that actually happening? And I've had children or young adults like tell me, they'll be like, no offense, but if you can do it, I feel like I could do it. I was like, no offense taken. And he was like, um, depending on like the background of the student, we had one that said like, oh, you look like a, a rapper and this and that. But it's like, you will take the passion that a, a rapper would put into his music and put it into like a product in your brain, which is really cool to see. And it makes him feel like, made him feel like he could do it. So I'm like, hey, I love that because unfortunately I didn't really have much of that like growing up. Uh, I just kind of knew what I wanted to do and figured out a way to make it happen. What is the craziest invention that you learned uh, a black person did it? Um, craziest invention. I don't know. There was a lot of like cool stuff that I saw. Um, I'm gonna transform this question a little bit, and I'll say the craziest craziest invention that I try to make. To I try to build a, a perpetual motion machine without knowing what perpetual motion was. <laughs> um, and I tried to make a, a fish tank that ran on its own water. I'm big into like fish tanks and stuff. So I had an Archimedes water screw and a water wheel and two things of water. And it worked for a little bit. And I found that like Isaac Newton tried to build like that same machine. So I was like, all right, I'm in good company. Uh, trying to be in a boat with uh, Isaac Newton. But I don't know. I think like all of the I, all of the inventions that I saw from black people were like built mostly out of like necessity, which I think is pretty cool um, and solving issues that like others couldn't at the time with a lot less resources. Yeah, I think there's a ton of them, but the funniest one might be the super soaker. Yeah, hey, I think the super <laughs> so, like to think about like the super sucker <laughs> and like what it turned into and how much fun it was. I'm like, man. That'd be a cool invention to make. <laughs> right? Mr. Lonnie Johnson. Yeah. 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 That is fantastic. Hey, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you you said you're shipping worldwide. You're shipping to Germany too? We actually did ship a couple to Germany so far. So, yes. <laughs> Get online, order one, Maurice. Let's go. Sorry? Get online and order one, man. I would. I would. <laughs> definitely um yeah thank you so much uh for coming on the show i'm really uh, looking forward to the reactions uh to what you said i love your message i love your product and, and all the best right yeah, and um stuff. let's come back on the show like end of next season and uh see where you're at a year from now i'm That's really nice. curious to see what Sorry. you're doing right awesome. thank you so much thanks for joining us jakari Thank you, Russ. I look forward to chatting some more. All right, everybody. Um, this is uh, a, another episode of the Crazy People podcast, and you just heard about a fantastic story. And uh, why don't you tune in uh, the next time when uh, it's time for Crazy People with a podcast. All right? You take care and have a good one. Bye-bye.